0: Good evening, and welcome to the second episode of Haunted by God. In case you're just tuning in, this is a special mini series in this podcast where my good friend Michael James Brown reads through a portion of a short story which I have written that is called Haunted by God. This week, Michael will be reading from two chapters out of this short story. As I mentioned last week, Haunted by God is included as bonus chapters in a book which I have written that is called The Shepherd King. If you'd like more info about my book, you can go to my website, wesleylegidice.com, or you can go to Amazon and search in The Shepherd King. I'll be sure to link both of those sites in the description below. So, without further ado, I present to you the next two chapters of Haunted by God. Narrated by Michael James Brown
1: Chapter 23, Holy, Holy, Holy Shane and Japheth arrive at the temple, and this time there is a crowd of priests and laypeople chattering outside the door to the inner sanctum. They push their way through the crowd before finally reaching the crime scene. There is a wall of soldiers blocking off the crowd. Shane makes eye contact with one of the soldiers, who's scratching the rash on his neck. What's the situation, son? Shane asks the soldier as he is let through the wall of people. Well, sir, the soldier responds. We found the statue like this. We don't know who did this. Maybe some Hebrew kid snuck in again last night. Trust me, this was no kid, Shane replies taking a knee to inspect the scene closer. Just like his dream, the statue of Dagon is bowed down in front of the Ark, but this time its hands and head are cut off. The head of the statue has been turned upward, and the face that once was solemn and confident now seems to have been rechiseled. Dagon looks like he is writhing in pain. Shane can't seem to look away from the statue. It seems to be staring directly at him, crying out for help. Wine floods the floor from a few broken jars on a table next to one of the two central pillars. The grapevine has now become even bigger, and the grapes themselves seem to have doubled in size. Shane does not want to look at the Ark again, but feels too much curiosity not to give it a glance. Big mistake. It feels like he can't look away. He sees a silhouette of the throne emerging from the shade beneath the winged cherubim. The entire room is sucked into the vortex and the weight of the opaque throne. Shane feels that same stare from before, and he is filled with dread. Sweat beads emerge from his forehead. His heartbeat elevates. He can feel that invisible light piercing into his body again, agonizingly uncovering every granule of his being. Overwhelmed, he gets goosebumps all over, reaches for his chest, and feels sick to his stomach just before the sensation overtakes him, he is snapped out of the trance by Fell's voice. Out of my way! Out of my way! The priest shouts as he pushes his way through the crowd. He appears, and Shane can tell that he's had a bad night too. There are bags under his bloodshot eyes, and his neck is bulging from what looks like a tumor. He also sports a rash that goes down the entire right side of his body. Fell sees the statue and puts his hand over his mouth in disbelief. His eyes begin to shake as horror fills his face. Realizing that the crowd is looking at him, he gains some composure and finds Shane, who is staring at Fell and breathing heavily. Fell, Shane says. Fell looks over at Shane, and seeing that something is obviously wrong, he tries to lighten the mood with some comedy. You look like you slept well. I could say the same to you. Bad dream? Shane replies. Fell laughs nervously, then puts his hand on Shane's shoulder. You okay, man? Shane takes a deep breath. Yeah, I think so, he responds, trying not to look at the arc. Fell looks at the crime scene and then around at the crowd. Come, he says to Shane. Let's find another place to talk. They walk toward the back of the room, and Fell opens a door that lies behind a curtain so they can slip out without much attention from the crowd. Okay. Shane opens up. "'I don't know how else to say this, but we've got to get this god out of here. I've never seen anything this terrifying. I think it let us capture its idol just to terrorize us.' "'You're right,' Fel concedes. "'But we need to be cautious in going about this. If we are not careful, we could send the wrong message to the people and to the king.' "'Oh, you mean that this god is more powerful than Dagon? I think the people can see that for themselves.' Shane retorts. Careful with those words, Phil cautions. We are the ones who conquered this god, remember? Besides, you would not want the king hearing you say something like that, now would you? I'm just saying what everyone is thinking, which is why we need to get this god out of Ashdod now, Shane insists. Ah, okay, Phil accepts. The best course of action may be to declare a state of emergency and convene the five kings. That would be the quickest possible way to get this god out of town. Are you sure? Shane asks. I mean, other than Japheth and us, no one else has really been cursed by this god with a plague. Are you kidding me? Fell challenges. Didn't you notice the people on the way in? All of them have some kind of rash on their necks. The city is infested with more rats than usual, and everyone seems a little more on edge. I wouldn't be surprised if we weren't the only ones who couldn't sleep last night either. Shane opens the door and peeks out to get another look at the crowd. Baggy eyes and red necks abound. He closes the door, and Fell continues with his plan. I'll send in for the five kings to convene and show them the statue and our rashes. It should only take a few days to get them all here, so until then, no one comes into the sanctuary. It is off limits to everyone until we can bring the kings in to show them what happened. And whatever you do, don't touch that box. Don't even step on the threshold. Shane nods. I'll get some of my men to divert traffic away from the temple. I think a false explanation would only make things worse. It seems like the people know something is up with this god of the Hebrews already. Better to not say anything at all. Agreed, Fel confirms. We just have to hold out for a few days. Now let's get these people out of the temple. Shane opens the door. They walk toward the crowd. Shane deliberately avoids looking at the Ark. He can still feel its presence and dares not look at it again. He takes a deep breath to summon the courage to round the people up and get everyone, including himself, out as quickly as possible. All right, people, let's go. The temple is closed indefinitely, he shouts, looking over to one of the soldiers. He gives him a head nod, indicating, back me up here. The soldier nods in return and begins to push the people back. You heard the man. The temple is off limits. You shouldn't even be this far if you don't have a sacrifice anyways. The crowd grumbles and complains, but begrudgingly obliges. Just as they are all walking away, one of the priests named Killion rushes in fighting the crowd. What's going on here, Fell? He demands. The crowd and the soldiers momentarily stop to listen. Fell feels the watchful eyes of the crowd, but has no choice but to continue their conversation. We are closing the temple indefinitely, Fell answers. Why? Killian questions. You know why, Killian. It's not safe here, Fell explains. Safe? Don't tell me you're afraid of that puny god of the Hebrews. Killian scoffs as he walks past Fel. I mean, come on. Killy walks over to the Ark to make his point. They represent their god with a little golden box. Killy squats down to get a better view. He peers in past the wings of the cherubim and looks into the umbra of the Almighty. Shane, who is busy tending to the crowd, looks over and cries out, No, don't look! But it's too late. The outline of a throne materializes out of the shadows. Killian's eyes dilate until they're completely black. He feels frozen in time. Fear beyond imagination fills his body. He realizes that he is staring into the eyes of his maker and Killy has just offended him. He begins sweating drops of blood. His body trembles violently. His eyes are as wide as saucers. The crowd has gone silent. No one has ever seen Killy like this and they all wonder what is going to happen next. Another three or four seconds pass, and Achilles' white irises turn red. Blood rushes out of his nose, ears, and eyes. His skin wrinkles, burns, and sags. His hair has all but fallen to the floor, and his frail body tremors uncontrollably. The crowd stares in disbelief at what just happened. The once healthy, spry priest now looks sick and decrepit, his young body has aged 50 years in a matter of seconds. They don't know it, but he has stared into the eyes of the Holy One of Israel. He falls back and lets out a blood-curdling shriek. No! Get away! Get away! He screams as he covers his eyes and frantically claws the skin of his chest. A fellow runs over. Killy! He shouts, kneeling next to his friend. Get them out of here now! Fell orders as the crowd begins to panic and push their way to the exit. All the while, Killy begins mumbling to himself. Holy. 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 The crowd runs down the hallway along with the soldiers, some of whom outrun the crowd. All the way out, they hear the pained groans of the old priest. Holy. Holy. Holy! (sighs) Shane slams the sanctuary door shut and cowers outside. He can feel that presence almost as powerfully as in his dream. Even though he is outside the room, he can still feel the dread and terror, the crushing gravity, the invading light penetrating deep into his bones. From the other side, he continues to hear the now raspy, trembling voice. Holy 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 Fell, we gotta go now, he shouts through the door. Fell looks down at Killy, who's still mumbling away. Holy, 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 holy. The blood has begun to dry on his face and all over his body, and his corneas have turned completely gray. He has been blinded. He stares off into the distance at the corner of the room while his body trembles uncontrollably. Come on, Killy, let's get you out of here. Fell says, trying to keep himself composed. Uh, holy, uh, holy Holy. Holy. Killy continues in his troubled, shaking voice. Killy? Killy! Come on! We're going now, okay? Fell says. Grabbing the priest's arm and helping him up. Holy, holy. Oh. Killy looks at Fell. Fell, is that you? It, yes, it, it's, it's me. Can you see me, Killy? Fell asks. Killy looks back at the corner of the room. Holy, holy. Holy, holy, he chants away. Seeing that he is not getting anywhere, Fell walks Killy over to the door and opens it up to meet Shane, who quickly slams the door shut. Shane takes one shoulder and Fell the other, and they carry Killy out of the temple. Holy, 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 holy. Once they reach the temple courtyard, they see a few soldiers and priests waiting for them. The priests run over to tend to their friend. Killy, is that you? One of them asks. Holy, 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 he chants. The priest still can't believe what he is seeing. Killy, it's me, Ash. We've been priests of Dagon together for years now. Oh, holy. Holy, holy. Killy mutters as Ash walks him away to some of the magicians to see if they can help. What happened here? Did we anchor Dagon? One of the priests asks. Not Dagon. Yahweh. Shane responds. Chapter 24 the temple after a few days the conditions in the city have only gotten worse there have been about 200 deaths from the plague and there is an infestation of rats in almost every house the tumors have multiplied and most have moved into tents on the outskirts of the city Shane stares up at his ceiling as the light of the morning pierces through his window his eyes are baggy he has three sizable tumors now one on his neck one on his back and one on his stomach. His irises are bloodshot, and he hasn't slept more than an hour in two days now. He's been too scared of having any more nightmares to even think about sleeping. He's startled by a loud knocking on his door. Shane, you're late. The king's arrived 30 minutes ago. We're waiting for you. We even got Kelly to come. Fell says in a muffled voice behind the door. Shane gets up slowly from his bed and drags himself over to the door. He opens it and is greeted by a man aged ten years older than the fell he knew. Fell had developed some crow's feet around his eyes, and his hair had some new streaks of white. He is scratching the rash on his neck, and a lump grows just below it. Shane sighs begrudgingly. Let's get this over with, he says as he walks out and closes the door behind him. Did they take the Ark out already? "'No, not yet. No one wanted to carry it, so I made some poles so no one has to actually touch it,' Fell informs him. "'Don't tell me we have to go back into the temple again,' Shane asks as he stops walking. Fell walks a few more feet before turning around. "'Sorry, men, but we have to go back into the temple. Don't worry. I'll have some slaves be the ones to fetch the ark. The kings wanted to have the meeting in the temple courts.' They thought it would ease the people to know that they are not scared of this god. (sighs) Well, I hope you got some cheap slaves because they won't be any good after coming close to that thing, Shane remarks as he starts walking again. A rat scurries past Shane's feet. Also, the kings aren't afraid of this god. Didn't they get our reports? Didn't they see the bodies? It's political, Shane. Shane. They don't want to start a panic or make things look worse than they really are, Fel explains as they turn a corner and walk down an empty road. The city feels eerily quiet, with only a few people walking about in the distance. Many of the houses are boarded up or abandoned altogether. The once bustling city square is now only inhabited by the occasional cat scavenging for food. They near the temple, which feels bigger and more imposing than it used to be, The courts are barren and stripped clean of the animals, slaves, and people that used to populate it. "'How's Killy been?' Shane asks as I walk up to the imposing temple doors now covered in vines. "'The same as the past few days. He's gotten a little better, though. He's somewhat responsive when you talk to him, and he slept a few hours last night.' Fell answers as he grabs the doorknob. "'Where did these vines come from?' Shane inquires." Fell chuckles and opens the door. <laughs> you really haven't been near the temple, have you? The doors creak open to reveal a room filled with fruit plants and bushes of all kinds that have claimed the temple as home. Most of them has grown over the altars and paintings on the walls depicting Dagon. Some have even wrapped around pictures of Dagon's neck, turning a painting of Dagon being worshipped into Dagon being hanged by a vine. Others have replaced Dagon, who is being worshipped by multitudes, to a tree that has grown out of the wall where dagon was painted an ominous dense cloud of fog covers the ground of the entire temple and grows thicker and more consuming the closer to the inner sanctum you go Fell leads shane down a hallway that is lined with torches that are still lit and have been burning perpetually since the incident with Killy, even though no one has tinted to the flames as they walk down the hall shane eyes a cluster of grapes growing down the side of the wall he plucks a grape and pops it into his mouth. He stops dead in his tracks and starts coughing, bracing himself against the wall with his hand. Shane, what are you doing? You're terrified of this place. You haven't even stepped foot in here in over a month, and the first thing you do is eat the fruit? A fellow gripes. Shane stops coughing and regains his breath. He is still bent over, but looks up and swallows his grape. That was the most delicious grape I've ever eaten in my life, he says handing one to Fell. The priest's eyes grow large. His stomach twists with hunger pangs, and his mouth salivates. He pops one into his mouth and stands back in awe. Oh my gosh! What? It's like I've never eaten a grape before in my life! They stare at each other for a second, and then gorge themselves on the grapes like ravenous wolves finding fresh kill. After they've had their fill, they remember the important meeting they're late to. They compose themselves and take a right down the main hallway that leads to the inner sanctum, the doors of which are closed. Shane stops before entering the meeting to gaze at the entrance to the sanctum. He can tell that they are getting closer to the source of the fog as it pours forth underneath the doors. In the hallway, five men dressed in royal regalia are waiting with about a dozen other servants. Shane and Fell both bow down in respect. Shane speaks up. We apologize for our tardiness, your majesties. I've been feeling very ill the past few days. You and everyone else here, the king of Ekron retorts. Now that you two are here, maybe we could get on with this, the king of Gath chimes in. These reports, we've heard, seem too good to be true, but now that we have seen for ourselves the kind of curse this town is under, we are convinced the reports were an understatement. The king of Ekron steps forward. We would like to see the object now, if that's okay with the high priest. Of course, your majesty, Fell replies. He motions to one of the servants to open the door to the inner sanctum. The giant, heavy doors creak open, and the servants are met with a wall of thick fog. They hesitate for a second and look back at Fell, not knowing what to do. Just before it gets awkward, the fog dissipates and reveals the inner holy of holies. The servants slowly inch forward into the dark sanctuary. It is hard to see anything beside the Ark, which seems to be glowing from inside its box. All at once, the torches and fireplaces ignite and illuminate the entire room. The servants are startled for a second, along with everyone else, before they take in the scene. The room has been taken over by much vegetation, and looks more like a tropical garden than a temple. The statue of Dagon is overgrown with moss and is little more than a green mound now. Grass covers the entire floor. Vines have claimed the two giant colonnades, and in front of them are pomegranate trees. Behind the pillars, where the mural of a wheat harvest was, real wheat grows out of the floors. Plants hang off the ceiling, and fruit trees dot the sanctuary. Slowly, the servants approach the ark. The poles, remember the poles, Fell reminds them. One of the servants runs back to the hallway and grabs two long poles for the ark. He runs back over and together all four of them insert the poles into the ark and slowly, carefully lift it up. They carry it over to the kings and set it down with the atonement cover facing away from everyone. Do not stare directly under the cherubim. One of the chief priests did and went mad. And whatever you do, do not touch it, Shane advises the kings as they walk up to the ark. I can feel the weight of Zara. Its, it's like nothing I've ever felt before, the king of Ashdot exclaims. Well, I don't feel anything, the king of Ekron says. To which the king of Gath asks, Well, are you a prophet? The king shakes his head no. Usually only a skilled prince or priest can feel the presence of an object's aura, the king of Ashdot explains. Prophets are much more naturally attuned to the auras of objects, This one has the strongest aura I've ever felt. Then it's settled. The king of Ashdod announces as sweat falls down his forehead, we're sending the relic off to Gath, as that is the most fortified city in Philistia. The king of Gath nods in agreement. Oh, this object will make such a great study for my wise men. I've never seen such power endowed into a cursed object, he says as he snaps his fingers. Some of his servants run over and pick up the poles, walking it out of the temple. That's it? Shane asks. Well, yes. Your city and your god clearly could not handle this god's relic. Perhaps we have pleased the gods more, the king of Gath says, as he and all the other kings walk out of the temple. Fel and Shane stand there, speechless. Fell breaks the silence. Well, that was easy. Yeah, but that won't solve the problem. This god is going to do the same thing to Gath. It'll be even worse than what it did to Ashdod, Fel, Shane warns. Yeah, but that's their problem now, fell replies. Cheer up, man. Now you can finally get some sleep. Fel pats Shane on the shoulder and walks away. A few months later, Shane wakes up from his dream and stares up at the ceiling of his room. Particles of dust sit suspended in the morning light that pierces through his window. He can hear children playing just outside his house. An ox carries a load of supplies and snorts, and the birds chime in on this safe melody too. He yawns, stretches out of his bed before getting up to look at his blurry face in the mirror. No more tumor on his neck. He lifts his shirt and looks down at his stomach. All clear, too. He smiles, opens his front door, and heads over to the temple to help fell out with the repairs. On his way over, he says hi to his neighbors, grabs a basket of grapes to snack on, and stops to marvel at a giant pile of dead mice on the edge of the city. The streets are more populated, but there are still a few abandoned houses interspersed throughout. "'Hey, Ash. How's your wife been?' Shane says as he strolls through the outer courts, now showing some signs of life with a few merchants, temple prostitutes, and animals. "'Oh, she's doing great now. The tombs are completely gone,' Ash informs as he stands up in his stall full of goats. "'Have you seen Fel?' Shane asks while one of the goats tries to nibble on his hand. "'I was supposed to help him out with some of the repairs today.' "'Oh, he's in the inner sanctuary.' I could go get him for you if you want, Ash offers, stepping over one of the goats. Oh, no, it's okay. I'm going to have to go back in there eventually, Shane says. Are you sure? Because last time, last time things were still pretty fresh. It's been two months, and I'm going to have to go back eventually, Shane explains as he walks over to the doors of the temple. Okay, well, suit yourself. Just don't, don't step on the threshold. Yes, I know, Shane assures him. Okay, but you remember what happened to my lawn last month, Ash reminds him while one of the goats nibbles on the edge of his cloak. Yeah, don't worry. You don't have to tell me, of all people. I'll see you around, Ash. Shane waves goodbye, and with a deep inhale, heads inside. The plants and vegetation that once covered the temple are now gone. They died off not too long after the Ark left Ashdod, but you can still see where their roots burrowed into the walls, floors, and ceiling. The halls are quiet. Not as many priests worshiping Dagon anymore, not after seeing their god be defeated by the god of the Hebrews. Rumor is that many of them defected and went to Israel. Some even got circumcised out of the fear of this god and married and settled down with an Israelite family. If he is honest, Shane has also thought about leaving as well. Although the few weeks that the ark was in Ashdod were the most terrifying and worst weeks of his life, there was something strangely warm about this god of the Hebrews. Perhaps he would sleep easier, knowing that Yahweh was on his side and not against him. Of course, that would be blasphemy, and he would get killed for something as outrageous as that. As he walks down the halls, the dead plants and weathered halls remind Shane of the past, but the people's smiles bring a little hope back to the temple atmosphere. Shane turns a corner and looks down the hallway, leading to the inner sanctum He studies those doors and his mind goes back to that image burned into his cornea of the throne. The gravity, the invading light, the terror and dread, and the feeling of absolute power and the fear that comes with it, it all comes rushing back. He looks down and notices his hand is shaking. The hairs on his arms are standing up and his heart is racing all of a sudden. Opening the door has become a Herculean feat. The hallway seems to grow larger than life and stretches for miles. He gets tunnel vision and feels helpless, frozen, broken. Memories of Killy, aging decades in an instant come back to mind. The nightmares he had of Dagon writhing in pain, the trembling voice of Killy chanting over and over again, Holy, 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 sound like they are right behind him. In fact, they are. Killy walks in front of him with a hunched-over back. He is biting at his already small fingernails, rocking his frail body periodically. Killy strolls by his Shane like he isn't there, bumping into him slightly and humming along his normal, Holy, holy, holy. Oh, hey, Shane. It's good to see you. Yes, yeah, Shane is brought back to reality. He raises his hand to say hi. Hey, Kelly, you look like you are doing... Holy, holy, holy. Killy repeats as he turns around and walks over to the sanctuary again like nothing happened. Shane sees that his hand is shaking still. He grabs it to calm himself down. Just then, the door is open and Fell walks out. Well, if it isn't the holy man himself, how's it going? Holy, holy, holy. Hey, Fell. Holy, holy, holy. Killy says as he moses on into the sanctuary. Fell turns his attention to Yashane. Hey, Shane. Haven't seen you here in a while. What's the occasion? Shane puts a shaking hand behind his back. I thought, well, I thought today should be the day I finally take you up on your offer to help clean up the temple. Fell can see that Shane is really trying to stay composed. He sighs and smiles. Well, if you think you're ready, sure, come on in. Shane slowly walks down the hallway, and Fell awkwardly wakes at the door, holding it open for his friend. Shane finally reaches Fell, who smiles and keeps the door open for him. After a pause, Shane enters the sanctuary. He is met by a brand new statue of Dagon. There are some ropes around it, and he still needs to be erected. But it is not on the threshold. Instead, it is directly in front of the threshold. Behind the Dagon statue, Shane can see a black spot that seems to have created a little valley in the stone floor where the Ark used to be. It looks like there was a fire pit there that stained and eroded the stone. As Shane stares at that spot, he can feel the leftover energy from the Ark, and right before the flashbacks return, Fell puts his hand on his shoulder. Come on, we could use help putting Dagon up back into his new place. Fel walks Shane away and toward the Dagon statue, where there are four servants getting the statue ready to be erected in place. This statue was made by the best artist in all Philistia, Fell boasts, pointing to the ornate statue that looks very similar to the original. Only this time, the face is stalwart and strong almost angry and imposing. But as soon as Shane looks at it, all he can see is that terrified look of the god in his dreams. Shane breaks out in a cold sweat, frozen all over again. Hey, you okay, man? Fel asks, putting his hand on Shane's shoulder. Yeah, yeah, I'm fine. Shane brushes off, sporting a fake smile. He walks over to one of the servants, who's holding out a rope for him. Okay, on three, Fell says to everyone as he walks over to another rope and picks it up. One, two, three. He grunts as they pull with all their strength. Slowly but surely, Dagon is raised and falls into position perfectly. Okay, great work, Fell says as he runs up to the statue and starts untying the ropes. He takes a step back, and they all bow down to the ground. Shane is taken aback by it all, forgetting that it is customary to bow down and say a prayer to Dagon when in the sanctuary. He scrambles to get on his knees with the others. Praised be to you, Dagon, bringer of fertility and the harvest, father of Baal, they all say in unison before they rise. Shane looks up at the head of the statue again, and still he only sees the old head, writhing in pain and scared for his life. After helping out with some of the cleaning for another hour or so, Shane and Fell walk out of the temple for some much-needed lunch. Next week, we're going to start the sacrifices again. I'm going to have some priests from the other temples come and help out, Fel says as they stroll out of the temple. Did you hear about what happened in Gath? Shane asks. I heard there were some troubles, yes, Fel acknowledges. Troubles? Troubles, Fell. Troubles? Three hundred people died in one week. They had tumors twice the size of ours, Shane protests. Fell grabs Shane by the arm and yanks him to the side of the hallway. Hey, what are you doing? What am I doing? Shane retorts. What are you doing? Are we not going to acknowledge what is happening here? Do you know whose temple you are in right now, saying those blasphemies? Fell counters. That is a great question. Whose temple is it really? Shane challenges. I mean, come on, fell. It's like you completely forgot what happened here. What you saw, what you dreamt. How can we go back to normal? Where's been Dagon like nothing happened? Well, what else do you expect me to do, Yashane? I expect you to acknowledge that something happened here and stop sweeping it under the rug. Do you know what kind of trouble these words could get you in? I can't believe you. Killy is still traumatized from that god, and you've all but forgotten about it. Shane replies, incredulous and frustrated. Do you know the implications that this god could have on our peoples, on our religion? If this god truly is this powerful, then then what are we even doing here? Worshipping these, these, these what? Fell shouts. These stones! Shane explodes. Some of the priests stop walking in the background and look over at the commotion. Shane and Fell both know their conversation has become public, so Shane lowers his voice. This place is still haunted by his presence. I'm still haunted by it. Where have your priests gone, fell? Huh? I don't know what you're talking about, Fel dies. This temple is like a ghost town compared to what it used to be, Shane says in a raised whisper. Some have left the faith, yes, Fel concedes. Some, Shane challenges. Half of the priests have either moved out of town or have gone over to Israel. They even circumcised themselves just to be able to worship Yahweh. What do you want from me? Fell asks angrily. I know power when I see it. I just want you to admit what you saw there. At least Killy hasn't swept it under the rug. Shane answers before turning around and walking away. Fell crosses his arms and steams. Killy trots down the hallway with his typical trembling and chanting. Uh, holy 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 Hey, Fell. What's Shane so angry about? Hey, Killy, it's it's nothing. Don't worry about it. Phil response. Holy, holy, holy.
0: Thanks for listening to this special episode of the House of Hesed podcast. If you're enjoying this podcast and would like more content like this, then go ahead and hit the subscribe button and give us a review on whatever platform you're listening to us on. A review really does go a long way in helping spread the message and get our content out there more. And if you'd like to learn more about my book, The Shepherd King, you can check out the show notes below for more resources. We're going to have one more episode to finish up this short story before we go back to our regular content in the book of Judges. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time.